Good morning. I greet you in Christ's name. It's good to be with you this morning. It's been a blessing to be here already, and we're looking forward to looking at God's Word together. The text this morning is John 3, verses 1 to 16, probably one of the most familiar texts, at least verse 16 in the whole Bible. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean? You say, well, I know already what it means. Why do we want to spend a whole Sunday morning sermon talking about that? Well, you do, or maybe you do. And uh, this message is especially aimed at um, those who don't know. Um, if you're here this morning and, and don't know for sure what it means to be born again, let's know. Because this message is for you. I read a uh, little news clip. Man sells his life on eBay. Ian Usher, this happened some years back, Australian Ian Usher is so disappointed with his current life that he is selling it on eBay. Usher decided on the auction in an effort to rid himself of all memories of life with his ex-wife. He expects to make at least $390,000 in a sale that will include a furnished three-bedroom house, a car, a motorcycle, and a jet ski. He's even throwing in a one-time introduction to all of his friends and a two-week trial run at becoming a permanent employee at the rug store where Usher works. Both his friends and his employer have agreed to the terms of the auction. On the day that it's all sold, he said, I intend to walk out of my front door with my wallet in one pocket and my passport in the other, and nothing else at all. His plans for his new life include a short visit to his mother before heading to the airport to figure out a new place to call home. I'll see where life takes me from there. It's time to shed the old man and in with the new, he says. Ian Usher's life will not change dramatically because he's running away from his old life. He will meet new friends and challenges. He will still be the same man with similar problems in his life. To be, to really change, Ian Usher will need to be born again. A miracle will need to happen in his life that takes the power of God to accomplish the power that he doesn't have in himself. Ian Usher needs to respond to God's love in order for him to be able to really make a change. God's love is there for each of us, and without God's love and grace, we would all be eternally lost. Just another quick story in introduction. Unlucky lost dog loved by its owner. You've all probably seen the little poster in some public place. Lost dog, reward for finding our dog. Someone reported seeing a sign that is sure to make an impression even on someone like myself who is not a dog lover. There was this big cash reward for whoever found the lost dog. And a description of the dog, it said he's only got three legs. He's blind in the left eye. He's missing a right ear. His tail has been broken off. He was recently neutered by a fence. Ouch. He's almost deaf, and he answers by the name Lucky. I 
But Doug isn't lucky. He's been through a whole lot of mess. But he is fortunate because he's got an owner who loves him and wants him back. That's what redemption is all about. Amen. What redemption is all about. What does it mean to be born again? I don't know. How many of you remember Jimmy Carter? Jimmy Carter was the president in the 70s. And he was actually coming to LU to do the commencement address this spring. Jimmy Carter, old, old man now. But Jimmy Carter brought born again to his forefront in the American culture. He was called the born again president. And he was a peanut farmer from Georgia. He was an unabashed evangelical and a Sunday school teacher from Plains, Georgia. People who know very little about being born again began claiming to be born again. Someone lost a bunch of weight and said, I'm born again. What does it mean to be born again? Can it happen to anyone? Can, it, can you tell if it's happened? What about yourself? Have you been born again? And that's the big question that I'm going to throw out to you this morning. I know you're all good-looking people, and you've probably, most of you have been born again, but some of you haven't. And that's the question we all need to answer. Have you experienced new birth? Some really basic teaching. The children here in this audience have all been born at least once by someone else's choice, not theirs. But the new birth is a choice that we need to make. Listen up. Let's read our text. And the text is John 3, 1 to 16. And I invite you to stand, if you can, again, to follow along as I read John chapter 3, the first 15 verses. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, and truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except you who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
You may be seated. Born again, what does it mean? What does it mean to be born again? We are familiar with what it means to be born. A number of you fathers were there when your children were born. I still remember. It was just 30 years this past week that our oldest was born. I can still remember. It's a very dramatic thing. It's a very delivery and very dramatic. My friend Nolan Byler has assisted in the birth of hundreds and thousands of little children. And he knows what it means to be born physically. Very familiar with physical birth. The key word of that phrase is again. What does it mean to be born again? We understand more the first one, even though it is a miracle. We don't understand the, the again part. The again part doesn't, is not as easily understood. Look up the Greek word for that, and it's the Greek word anathon. It means, it has a couple of meanings. First one, it means from above. When I say you were born again, you were born from above. It has that, that, that meaning. And secondly, it means anew. Born anew. You were born once, and now you're born anew. So what does it mean? I have a few points I'd like to make this morning. First of all, it's a complete change. It's a complete change. Being born again involves a complete change. It's a radical thing. It's no surface transformation. It's not plastic surgery or weight loss. It's not those small changes. It's a, it's a radical change, a complete change. It is a new birth. Secondly, it is born the second time. That's what it is. Did you know there was a problem with your first birth? You say, preacher, there was no problem with my birth. I was born. Yes, there was a problem with your birth. Each one of us had a problem with our first birth. Since the fall of man, every child has had a faulty birth. Even during the period of the law, an atonement was required after a child was born. Every child that was born required an atonement be made because there was a problem. For, for the uh, man-child, um, the mother was unclean for 40 days. For a female child, the birth child was 80 days. That woman was unclean. I don't know what the difference is. But the, 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 the mother was unclean after birth. Birth is a beautiful thing, but ever since the fall of man, it is the birth of a person with a sin nature capable of the worst atrocity known to man. Your child could become a school shooter. There's a problem with her first birth. You need to be born a second time. Number three, what does it mean to be born again? Born from above by the power of God. Born of the Spirit, a text that we just read. Verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So you were born the first time. It's a, it's a fleshly birth. It's a, it's a natural birth. The, the second birth is going to be different. It isn't, it isn't the same. It's from the Spirit. This birth comes by the power of God. God 
is the top source of power. John 1 says, Who are born not of blood or the will of the flesh, but of the will of, or of the will of man, but of God. Something that's totally outside of, of, of human capability. It's born by the power of God. You can't be born by your own strength or in some other human strength. It is by the power of God. It's the only way you can be born again is through the power of God. You can't recreate yourself. It's impossible. What you do is just external. It is not an actual recreation. second question we want to answer is, um, who needs it? Who needs to be born again? I don't think you could answer that without me saying it. Who needs it? And the answer is only one. Whoever was born only once needs to be born again. doesn't matter. If you were only born once, you need to be born again. Now, if you have your Bibles open to John 3, verse 3 verses there. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things, signs that you do, unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus shows us who needs to be born again. He was a Pharisee, a good man by, by earthly standards, extremely religious. Outwardly, he did everything right. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He had the authority and power over his fellows. He was one of the ruling class. He taught others in the way of the Jewish religion. Surely, Nicodemus didn't need a new birth, but he did. You know, Jesus was not impressed with Nicodemus, was he? Nicodemus didn't impress Jesus at all. The credentials of Nicodemus didn't matter to him. Funny how they think we can impress God. You think God is impressed with you? I want you to ask for a job. But if some of you have a suspicion that God is impressed with you, he should be, right? You think God is impressed with you? He's not. He's not impressed with you. Maybe if I could get an additional degree from a college or university, I could impress God. Maybe if, if you could really achieve things in life, I could impress God. Really? You're going to impress God? Really? You're not going to do it. If Nicodemus, Nicodemus needed to be born again, so did each one of us. Real straightforward. Nobody, nobody is exempt. The Pope is not exempt. Mother Teresa, Muhammad, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Bishop of this church, Brother Leon, is not exempt. The President down to the ditch digger. Every person who was born the first time, anyone who has only experienced physical birth, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you will need to experience the second birth, the complete birth, the birth that is of God. You know, God is not concerned about any other subject as much as this one. He is not as concerned about any other subject. And we shouldn't, shouldn't either. Have you been born once or twice? If you haven't been born the second time, and you're sitting here today, you can have a total life. You're not going to have eternal life with God. You're not going to have eternal life unless you're born the second time. And I won't. 
I guess it's straightforward. You won't have it. Next question. How does it happen? That's always my question. I'm a process kind of person. I like to know how does this work? How is it going to happen? If I know I need it, how is it going to happen? That's my first question. My next question. What's the process? What goes on? What does it mean to be born again? That's kind of a homely illustration to share with you, but it's not actually 100% accurate, but I want to make a point with it. Conversion is like waking up to an alarm clock. This kind of resonated with me. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright uses the analogy of waking up in the morning for how some people come to Christ through a dramatic instant conversion and others come to Christ through a gradual conversion. Now, I want to say right up front that there has to be a certain point that you come to conversion. You're not, you don't grow into it, but there, it does seem to happen more or less dramatically for some people. Certainly did. It did for me. It wasn't as dramatic, I don't think. I was only 10 years old. And so I was not there, you know, you know, whatever. But it is, it must happen. And it's kind of like the alarm clock. Some of you will sit bolt right upright in bed when the alarm clock goes up. You're just like, boom! You're up and suddenly looking over there and pushing the snooze a bit and and you're, you're, you're maybe hitting the snooze a few times, and you go to the bathroom, and, you, and you're still, still not really awake. You're still just kind of on autopilot. But it has to happen. It doesn't happen the same for each one of us. But it does need to happen. It does need to happen. And Nicodemus has that question. How can a man be born again? Nicodemus has that question. How does it happen? Can he, can he be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is Nicodemus thinking very literal. How does it happen? How can these things be, he says in verse 9? It's a really, really uh, legitimate question, don't you? Number one, it's a mystery. I want to say that the new birth is as a mysterious quality to it. It does. It's a mystery. We can't fully understand it. I can, I can have been saved for years, 30, 40, 50 years, and I still don't totally understand it. I really don't. It's as hard to quantify as the wind. That's what Jesus said. It's a mystery. Number two. Repentance is necessary. Where does it say that repentance is necessary in, in the scriptures? It says we are born of water and of the Spirit. What does it mean to be born of water? And uh, I'd like to make the connection here. I, I, I hope I'm doing this correctly. I think I am. Being born of water, water was used in baptism, and baptism involved repentance. So being born of water has the connotation of repentance. I believe it does. Being it was a symbol of repentance. Making confession of our sins, acknowledging our sinful state. To come to Christ and be born again the second time, we must be willing to expose our sinfulness, come to the light and acknowledge, allow Him to cleanse us from sin. We are born of the water of repentance. 
the very first and critical step to being born again is to repent. And I'll tell you right up front, if you don't repent, if you're not willing to turn around, if you're not willing to acknowledge, first of all, that you are a sinner, you won't, you won't be born again. You cannot be born again. And when you're working with someone and you're witnessing to someone, one of the first things that you need to accomplish if you're willing to start that process is to get an acknowledgement that, that, that you're a sinner. If I never acknowledge it, the President Trump, he said, that you know, I, I really can't. <laughs> Somebody asked him if he, if he got converted or if he told me, well, I don't really know that there's anything I need to return to. There is no hope. There is no hope unless you acknowledge and, and, and acknowledge who you are. Number three, by the Holy Spirit. How does it happen by the it, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit here working, you can't get saved. You can't be born again. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. We are born of the Spirit of God. Jesus answered, verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's a very, very exclusive statement. We are born of the flesh. Our parents gave us life. Everyone fits this category. Spiritually, we were dead. If we are born again, the Spirit places the seed of life within us and we are a new creation. Our parents cannot do this for us. Nobody can do this for us. We must choose to respond to God's Spirit so that we can be made alive and responsive to God. Jesus uses the comparison of wind and the Spirit. It is not easy to understand. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear a sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. God's Spirit comes and speaks to us. One person, whole person, responds to the Spirit. When the Spirit speaks to you and you don't respond, you get hardened. You become hardened. Max Alderman tells the story of a man who came to his meetings. His, his, his nickname is Red. He came to our church revival after several of his teenage daughters were saved. We were thrilled in knowing that Red was there and hoping that he would be saved. On the first night when the invitation was given, Red was marked by his holy by Holy Spirit conviction. People could see Red was being convicted. I remember that he was holding on to the pew in front of him so tightly that his knuckles began to turn white. Yet he would not budge. The next night he came back, but as the invitation was given, he held more loosely with less evidence of conviction. By weekend, he seemed to be cool as a cucumber with no indication of being under conviction. As far as I know, he never came to the Lord. It's a mystery how the Spirit works. I don't understand it, but he does. He draws us. He draws us to himself. He gently convicts us. He brings people into our experience. He brings messages into our experience. And he convicts us gently. It's like a wind. And, uh, you know, the wind, we don't understand, we can't see it. We sure can see that it's God's hand. I remember growing up as a young person in Belize, and we went through a hurricane one time. And, and the 
wouldn't blow like crazy, and, and uh, you can't, you couldn't actually see it, but you could sure see the effects. And I ran that out the next day, and, and, and the cornfields were just flat. The roofs blown off the chicken houses, and, and just, just, just rain during the hurricane was just horizontal, just blown. You can see the effects of the wind. You can't actually see the wind, but you can see how it happens. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit accomplishment. Number four, it's a miracle. We are born of water and the Spirit. We had no say about our first birth. We do have to, we do need to respond to God for our second birth to take place. Something that I have become more and more convinced of, and I don't know if you all believe what I'm about to say, but I'm more and more convinced that I'm convicted that it is absolute truth. God makes the first move in our conversion God makes the first move. I can't come to Christ unless I'm being born. God makes the first move. God makes the first move. You say, well, I'm on my journey toward God. Well, you can't get there unless God is going you. God makes the first move. Uh, I, want to say, I want to illustrate that truth with a, uh, with a story that I read really made an impression on me. Stranded mountaineer saved by a telemarketer. That's interesting. Now, May 2002, Leonardo Diaz, a Colombian hiker, decided to do some serious mountain climbing with his friends. Their goal was to reach the summit of the Nevada de Ruiz, a volcano in the Andes Mountains. On the second day of the climb, a major blizzard hit. Diaz lost sight of his friends and became separated from them. Although not initially worried, the novice climber soon began to run out of rations and suffer from the bitter cold. Although he had his cell phone in his backpack, his prepaid minutes had already expired. With no way to signal for help, Diaz realized he was not going to make it. As he lay in the frigid snow preparing to die, his cell phone rang. It was his phone solicitor in Bogota wanting to know if Diaz was interested in purchasing more minutes. We called him to remind him that his cell phone was out of minutes, said Maria del Pilar Bosas of Delta. He said it was the work of an angel because he was lost in the Andes. Diaz described his location to the caller and asked that his family be notified so he could dispatch the rescue team. The Bell South operator, who could tell from the sound of his voice that hypothermia had already begun to set in, called Diaz every 30 minutes to keep him awake and to maintain his hope of survival. Seven hours later, rescuers arrived. Diaz could not call the phone company. He had no minutes left in his plan, but the phone company could call him and he could respond. Is that amazing? I believe. I believe. God reached out. He said, You're out of hand. <laughs> you have nothing. But you want to survive for minutes. You have nothing. But God reached out. And that's my testimony. God reached out to me. And it's a sinner. And it's a sinner. We should glorify God. We 
if you think back, whoever never goes to a nursing home, you know, that's your last one. Amen. We were not desirable. The Bible says we were terrible under God. We were his enemies. But he, he called us out. He said, you know, come to me. Amazing. Amazing. Number five, it requires faith on our part. It does require faith on our part. It does require faith on our part. You know, we're throwing a lifeline. It's like a rope being thrown down. And we, we not only have to believe that the rope is there, but we have to reach out and, and grab it. We have to reach out and grab it. Somebody told a story about, this is a, a hypothetical. Philosopher and a science and a simple man were down on the cliff, and somebody threw a rope down there to rescue him. Philosopher, philosopher said, oh, this looks like a rope, but it might be, but I might be mistaken. It might be an illusion. He didn't make it. The scientist said that this is an 11 millimeter polyester rope with a breaking strain of 2,800 kilograms. It conforms to MR 10 81. But he didn't attach himself to it. Simple man reached out and grabbed it. I don't know exactly what it is, but I am going to grab onto it. And that's where faith comes in. We reach out in faith. It's amazing. We don't understand it. Okay, the third thing I want to answer this morning, how does being born again affect my life? How does it affect my life? Number one, it changes my relationship with God. That's the most important thing probably that happens when I'm born again. It changes my relationship with God. We were born rebels for God, not only... Here in the South, but elsewhere, everywhere, we were born rebels to God. We were alienated from God because of our sin. Ephesians 2, you don't need to turn to it, I'll read a couple of verses there. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 16, might reconcile us both to God. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We've been reconciled to God. Number two, it changes my heart. It changes my heart. I don't understand that either. The human heart is inherently wicked. It's deceitful above all things, Jeremiah says, and desperately sick. What is our heart? Our heart is our, our innermost seat of affection and our emotions. Our heart, our heart is what we really are under the surface. God changes our heart from a hard, stony, selfish heart to a heart that seeks Him and His righteousness, a tender heart. Our heart needs to be changed. If our heart isn't changed, we, we, can't, we can't live for God. From now on, Paul says, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Number three, it changes my life. It changes my life. My heart has changed. My very life has changed. It's not reformed. It's changed. It's genuine. I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read a few verses there. I'd like you to follow along in your Bibles. Ephesians 2, the first seven verses. Listen carefully to what the Apostle here says, writes to the Ephesians. It changes my life. Ephesians 2, verse 1. You were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Changes our lives. Because God does reach out to us in we, we reach out in faith. He changes us. He makes us a new person. I'm using a lot of illustrations this morning, but I want to use another one. It's about little Indian girls, Indian children over in India. Little Indian girls often are born not being wanted. They're a priority is placed on little boys. Little girls are often not wanted. In October 2011, the Associated Press ran a deeply moving story about a name-changing ceremony for girls in Mumbai, India. At birth, the 285 girls had been named Nakusa, or Nakushi, which means unwanted. Isn't that terrible? Your little child is born, little girl, and you name her unwanted. Pretty nasty. Unwanted in the primary Indian language of Hindi, that's what it means. Unwanted is widely given to girls across India where families often value sons more than daughters. As a result, female babies are being aborted or neglected at an alarming rate. But the renaming ceremony was an attempt to give the girls a new identity. The, report, the article reported that 285 girls wearing their best outfits with barrettes, braids, and bows in their hair lined up to receive certificates with their new names along with small flower bouquets. Some of the girls chose new names that meant prosperous, beautiful, good, or even very tough. One girl who had been named Nakusa by her grandfather and who was disappointed in her birth said, Now in school, my classmates and my friends will be calling me by this new name. And that makes me very happy. We take on his name, don't we? We born again to take on his name. Number four, it changes my direction. I was going in one direction, my direction has changed.
choose in my direction. I was headed away from God. Now I'm headed toward God. I was headed toward the light. I'm headed toward a closer relationship with God. I'm not a rebel anymore. God loves us. We know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Wrap up the message this morning. What does it mean to be born again? Have you been born a second time? Are you born again? If you haven't, Come to him in repentance. What do I need to do? I need to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And look to Jesus as the Israelites did to that brass serpent in the desert. We look to Jesus and we say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm looking to Jesus. Jesus died for me. He was made atonement for my sin. Jesus died for me. And that act of faith, that act of faith right there is what saves us. That's what makes you a new person. That's what makes you born again. Acknowledging I'm a new child and I look to Jesus. That's what saves us. He is eternal to God. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For those of you who are saved, which I think is most of us here in this room, thank God. Thank God for those great mercies. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God every day. Thank you. Live a life of Share the message. God bless.